Hey, this is Avi. And this is Faria. Welcome to the Manmukti Podcast, where we speak up about South Asian mental health. We're here to connect you with mental health professionals and those with lived experiences of mental illness. In this two-part episode, we have Buddy Tandavamudi and Abhi Ravinutala speaking with Dr. Gursharan Verdi. Gursharan is a psychologist, currently doing clinical research in Toronto, and a founder of the Collaborative for South Asian Mental Health. In this first part, we'll learn from Gursharan about the efforts of the Collaborative and her own personal experience with mental health. Hi Gursharan, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, we're very excited to be talking with you a little bit about uh, the founding of the Collaborative for South Asian Mental Health up in Toronto and some of the research you've done. Um, it's very uh, important right now about um, how South Asians and immigrants kind of deal with mental health issues. Um, if we could get started, I'd love to just hear from you a little bit about kind of, you know, an intro of who you are, um, where you're located, and kind of, you know, what drew you to uh, caring about mental health in the first place. Yeah, um, so thank you uh, both for, for having me on the podcast today. It's a real pleasure to, to kind of share my thoughts and opinions with you both. It's working with um, the South Asian community is uh, really important to me. That's the community that I'm from. Um, so I, uh, I trained as a psychologist in the UK, and I'm currently living in Canada, in Toronto, and I worked at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. So I'm there in a, a clinical research role, <laughs> primarily developing psychological interventions um, for people that have severe mental illness. So things like schizophrenia um, and, and psychosis and so on. And uh, the other arm of my work really focuses on, as you said, immigrant mental health. And within that kind of broad umbrella is focusing on the South Asian community. So, you know, these are just some of the areas that I, I work in in terms of practice, but also um, research. And really, it's, for me, it's about enhancing an individual's and a community's um, level of well-being. These uh, things have been really important to me, just even kind of growing up within the community. For me, it's, <laughs> I guess it's not just about um, being able to provide support, but in kind of a, a, a one-size-fits-all approach, but really understanding what does mental health mean to the South Asian community. You know, there are a number of communities within the South Asian community as well, so that, that's kind of been a, an important part of uh, not just what I'm kind of working on, but other researchers here in Toronto as well. So understanding what mental health means and how we can support the different communities within kind of the, the broader umbrella of South Asians. Got it, got it. And then if you could tell us a little bit about kind of what was your personal experience then with mental health? Like what kind of got you um, passionate about it from a, from a personal perspective? How have you maybe struggled with it or overcome things in your own life? Yeah, I... Um, speaking about it in this way, I think, brings up a bit of... Uh, anxiety for me because I think it's the first time that I'm really speaking about it in, in such an open way and um, I you know I kind of allude to having had some of my own experiences on my social media and so on um, but uh, I myself you know I'm a survivor of, of uh, gender-based violence and 
you know, in my teenage years, I was around 13, you know, things were kind of, I was having some emotional, psychological difficulties. Things were kind of bubbling for me. And, uh, you know, in a kind of random kind of moment, uh, a teacher at school had um, mentioned that, that they now have a counsellor at school and, and that this is somebody that we could, you know, go and talk to. So uh, I uh, kind of connected some dots there and thought, oh, you know, maybe I should uh, go and speak to, to this person um, to kind of figure out what's going on here. You know, there was a lot of stuff coming up for me internally and I wasn't really sure how to manage that. Um, there was a lot of anxiety building and, and now when I look back, I can see how that all, how, you know, had informed some of the decisions I made, how I, uh, how I just functioned as a human being as well, um, being, having kind of low self-esteem, um, not feeling comfortable in certain situations. So I think as a teenager, I'd kind of connected some of these dots and, and realized that I, I needed to speak to somebody. So I did. And uh, this story actually links back to why I'm really passionate about working with the South Asian community. So I did go and see this counselor and um, had a, an interesting experience. We'd never seen any type of therapist before and, uh, you know, had disclosed some, some difficult experiences that, that I'd had kind of growing up. And uh, I just didn't feel understood. And some of the, the ideas and ways that, that um, the therapist was kind of reflecting back what I, I was sharing with her it just felt like there, there was not a, an understanding of my culture or how my family might view what I was sharing with her. And, um, you know, I think using the word traumatized might be a bit harsh, but there was definitely, you know, it wasn't a nice experience. Um, and, and, you know, when I, I kind of think back to that, those few sessions that I had had with this therapist, you know, I, I left and, uh, there was definitely a part of me that shut down, I think, after after that experience. And, um, you know, this led to quite a turbulent adolescence, in, in fact. And uh, I think that, that bubbling feeling um, that I, you know, I, I, that's how I kind of refer to my anxiety, that that kind of remained throughout my, my teenage years, really. Um, and and it, it, it's still kind of there sometimes today, even I... Uh, for me, like healing is, is very much a, a lifelong experience. So when I think of things that have impacted my mental health, that some of my earlier experiences is one of them. But then I've had, you know, further experiences. I was assaulted in my 20s while I was out in London one night. And, uh, you know, some of the trauma that, that came as a result of that, moving to Canada, um, you know, being a newcomer and uh, having to build a life here, you know, the, the, the stress really, that, that comes with all of that. So there's been, you know, if I think of my life story, these three pretty big um, events, you know, large kind of stressful life events that have really impacted my mental health. Thanks so much for sharing. I know that's uh, never easy. And I think it's really important for our listeners to kind of understand from your perspective how, you know, even big stressful events in our lives, things that we tend to think of as just like, you know, we're under a lot of stress and, like, I have to you know, get this thing X, Y, Z done. But uh, people don't often take time to realize that uh, big moves or 
uh, events such as violence that people deal with um, can lead to, uh, you know, kind of more lasting effects on mental health. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, now, you're someone who has taken those experiences and actually uh, done a world of positivity uh, through those experiences in terms of um, the research you've done as well as uh, the advocacy you've done for South Asians dealing with mental health. And so I know that you're very involved in something in Toronto called the Collaborative for South Asian Mental Health. And I would mm-hmm. love to um, kind of hear from you about, you know, just the basics of how this was founded and what does it actually do? Um, kind of, you know, just your take on what initiatives or outreach you've been doing um, in regards to South Asian mental health through the collaborative. Mm-hmm. So um, the the collaborative itself formed in a really organic way a couple of years back. Um, a number of like-minded researchers in the local area had, um, you know, there, there were a few of us just that, that kind of started this conversation and uh, over lunch, you know, great things happen when there's food involved. Um, and, uh, you know, at this kind of lunch meeting, we, we thought about who, who else is doing this type of work. When I say this type of work, I mean, you know, um, doing research, focused research with South Asian communities, whether it's as an independent researcher within an academic institution or within a community um, organization or, you know, just just independently as well. Um, So, you know, the the group grew and, uh, you know, we needed a name um, and uh, we decided on the collaborative for South Asian mental health, mental health and the aim really is to increase our our knowledge um, from a research perspective on South Asians and, and mental health so when you know we look at the the literature that, that exists at the moment there's a there's a great deal of work that's been done over a number of years in the UK and there's also, uh, you know, some work that, that's been done, I would say, in the last kind of 10 years coming out of the U.S. But when you look at Canada, there, there's a lot less, essentially. And when we look at what what um, knowledge, what research is, is being produced, it's, it's uh, mostly qualitative research, which is great because that helps inform us about people's lived experiences um, it um, allows us to really understand also what mental health means within the South Asian community um, and what type of supports uh, might be helpful um, for, for people as well. But where, as a group, um, and I myself, you know, kind of think in this way, you know, we do live in this evidence-based culture where, you know, if we, if we want to inform services, um, at a at a kind of higher level um, and obtain funding that, that is sustainable. A lot of that requires quantitative um, outcome data. Qualitative data has its role for sure, um, but there's there is there is a gap there. So again, kind of coming out of the the UK, there's been some work on culturally adapting for example, um, culturally adapting CBT and looking at the effectiveness of that for different cultural groups. Um, and there, there's one adaptation that's been done um, on CBT for psychosis that has specifically been applied um, to the South Asian community. So as, as a group, we're starting to, to, to kind of think about 
okay, how do we use the qualitative information that we have, but then what are some of those um, those gaps that, that we need to fill? So one of the sort of things that we're doing at the moment is a systematic literature review, looking at uh, what currently exists across a number of high-income countries, so the US, Canada, UK, and um, Australia. And uh, based on that, we'll then be developing a, uh, a research strategy that's going to inform our work uh, going forward. So that's one of the pieces that we've, we've been working on. And then the other was looking at a, a national scan, again, across Canada, um, engaging key stakeholders, so service providers, people with this experience, um, and people from different sectors, so not just specifically within mental health services, but also um, uh, places like uh, like in the legal field, for example. But really looking at what are some of the, the key challenges that, that people experience, um, looking at some of the... Um, key priorities for people kind of moving forward as well, but also wanting to capture what has worked because there are, in Canada, um, there are some organizations that have been able to, you know, have been able to kind of um, develop a a strategy, a sustainable strategy that's allowed them to to grow. Um, And these are South Asian specific services. So there, there are some people out there that have, have been doing this work for a while. So it's also wanted, wanting to capture some of those success stories. The kind of dovetailing that piece of work, the other piece that we're interested in is looking at more mainstream services. But it's great that on the community side, we have agencies that are able to cater to, to the South Asian community specifically, as well as other um, cultural communities. So really, you know, that their organizations has this uh, lens of, um, you know, uh, being culturally informed, essentially. And uh, the idea now, kind of, as a kind of offshoot from this piece of work, is looking at how do we implement some of these things, but in a, in a mainstream um, service, like a hospital, for example, um, a tertiary service that is specialised. Um, how can how can we implement what we're learning in this survey and from our literature review into a, a, a more mainstream service. So those, those are the two... Sorry. That's interesting. Uh, on the topic, I guess, of incorporating things into the mainstream, can you speak a bit to uh, what the community reaction has been to the founding of the collaborative? Have you held any uh, sort of public events to kind of introduce people to it or any other sort of, you know, workshops or anything about mental health for South Asians in Toronto? Yeah, we we had a launch uh, that was being, it was May 2014, and we had a really great response. And uh, we had people presenting work that they are already doing within the community. But a large part of that event was having a, a very open dialogue about South Asian mental health. So we we took a lot of that feedback on from from community. It was mostly um, service providers, so community service providers, um, their ideas, um, what types of research you know needs to happen. Because I think the other thing that we're mindful of as a collaborative is ensuring that we're not top down. So 
you know, um, I think historically there have been some kind of tensions between, you know, the, the kind of ivory tower research um, environment and then the, the kind of the grassroots community um, community groups. So really trying to make sure that everybody's voice is heard because there, there's, there is really great work that, that's happening in the community. So we had our launch yeah, May uh, 2014, 20, 20, 2015, sorry. And um, what we did after that was actually develop a newsletter. So we, we thought about what, what is the best way to keep this group. We had about, uh, I think it was between 55 and 60 people attend um, that launch. How, what's the best way to keep everybody engaged? Um, kind of remembering that the collaborative is a volunteer effort as well. So, you know, given the resources that we, we had at that time, we developed a newsletter. Uh, it was going out twice a month, um, sorry, twice a year, but we're, now that we have more people on board, um, kind of supporting the effort is actually, uh, you know, having more newsletters. So we're looking at quarterly now. And in, included in that is other local events that are happening in, in the community. We also disseminate research. So if there are articles that, you know, we think service providers would um, appreciate uh, that might help inform their, um, their service provision as well, so we disseminate that. We also profile people that are, are leading work in the community. So, you know, we've had um, we've had a, prof a professor that's of South Asian origin that does work with international uh, students, talk about some of her experiences with um, with international students from South Asian countries. We've had uh, an interview with um, one of the members of the Mental Health Commission of Canada, um, who's also of, of South Asian origin. So really, again, trying to kind of profile uh, people and, and the great work that they're that they're doing because it, I think the other thing is we, you know, wanting to recognise that that you know great work has been happening. So we have this newsletter. We we then worked on our our Twitter engagement. You know, social media. How what are the ways that we can kind of leverage social media to um, engage community and in, engage um, not just other researchers but also decision makers and policy makers. So we found Twitter is, is a great way to do this. Um, last year, we participated in one of the CAMH uh, events called One Brave Night. So this is a, uh, a, a an event where CAMH aimed to not just raise funds, but also raise awareness of mental health. So we had a team, uh, the collaborative had a team that, that participated in that event. And really through that, we're able to engage a number of um, community members to, to kind of come on board, um, either to kind of pledge their support or to participate fully or to donate. So there were kind of three levels of um, participation in that. Um, and that same event actually is coming up this year. So we're, we're trying to now figure out a way that, that we can kind of be involved in that too. We did a number of talks last year. So we were asked to, to speak at various conferences and workshops, um, those that focused on South Asian communities and health quite broadly, but also um, just other um, events within the community as well. So sitting at roundtables, for example, was something that we did um, a couple of times last year. And to me, that's really promising. Um, it, it shows that uh, just 
it's not just South Asians that are interested in South Asian mental health, and I think that's really important as well. Um, so that's kind of essentially what we worked on last year, and now we're where we're working on our strategy for this year. We, um, I don't know if in the States you caught the, um, any of the Bell Let's Talk um, efforts on social media. Uh, I've, I've seen it through my Canadian friends on social media, but not so much in the States itself. Okay. Yeah. So um, we held, so Bell Let's Talk happened on the 25th of January, and Bell is one of the, I think it's Canada's largest, um, kind of phone provider and um, actually more than, than phones. I think they do um, cable and, and things like that. So they have, for the last few years, um, had a day that they dedicate to raising awareness and through social media. So you, whatever you post that's related to social media, you use the hashtag, well, let's talk. So this year we wanted to kind of, again, kind of participate in that, but really injecting the, the South Asian voice into that. So we held a collaborative Q&A on Twitter. So it's just a one-hour um, Q&A that, that we held, and it went pretty well for our, for our first one. So we've, we've talked a bit more about that and, and uh, whether having this kind of online conversation might be something that, that we do a bit more often as well. So... Kind of going back to your original question, this this is the year that that we're going to kind of start expanding and speaking to different um, kind of different levels of the system essentially. So um, we've got our Twitter that that kind of goes to researchers and policymakers, and then we've got our newsletter that that goes to service providers, um, and then we also uh, towards the end of last year, this is a project that I'm very excited about actually. Um, kind of really wanting to pay attention to the, the kind of more community-based grassroots level work. Towards the end of last year, we formed what is called the Friends of the Collaborative. So this is essentially a group of people with lived experience. Either they have their own um, um, experiences uh, with, with mental health or mental illness, or they have a family member or you know a loved one that... Um, that, that has a has a mental illness, and this group was was formed actually, yeah, December December last year, and this was one of the ideas that that came out of our initial event back in May 2015. So it was really great to see that come together. We've had a couple of meetings, and uh, that group was kind of targeting. Uh, work kind of on the ground essentially so with the support of the, the collaborative we'll be working to engage community members um, one of the, the projects that they're currently working on is developing a resource guide so it's you know there are some directories that exist here in the, the greater Toronto area so there's some online directories um, but it, it's difficult to navigate those if you're looking for a culturally specific service. You know, they don't always list the language. They don't list whether they, you know, they, they adopt a spiritual or a religious perspective to their work, um, whether, that, you know, they adopt a holistic approach to, to their treatment. So these kinds of things are what, what came out of um, some of the discussions with the Friends group, um, and that's one of the projects that, that they'll be working on.
that's uh, an impressive list of things that you've accomplished already since starting uh, in 2015 with the collaborative, I think. So that's um, it's great to hear how multifaceted the approach is in terms of reaching the community, whether it's you know, being uh, people that are important in the community to come and speak to you or, uh, like you said, engaging directly through Twitter or this new um, Friends of the Collaborative Initiative. So I think that's um, the kind of multifaceted approach that's really probably necessary to reach out to as many South Asians as directly as we need to to kind of make it clear that this is an important issue. And um, at this point, I want to ask all of our listeners to definitely Google the South Asian Collaborative for Mental Health, and there's an easy link on there to sign up for the newsletter as well as figure out how to follow their Twitter feed. Hey, everybody. We just want to remind you to stay tuned for our second installment of our episode with Gershwin coming out on July 4th. We're going to be talking about our research and much more. Till then, hope you all stay healthy. Hey, guys. If we could take a moment to ask for just a little bit more of your time and love to rate our podcast on iTunes or shoot us a review, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. And if you want to continue the conversation, visit our website at manmukti.org or connect with us on social media. See you next time.